So we are at this point right smack dab in the middle of a fall series called Foundations of Discipleship in Community, where we are going to be covering several of the absolute core values, core foundational discipleship tools of what we believe it means to follow Jesus, the life that Jesus himself modeled and passed on to his followers. The last few weeks we've been looking at the absolute core question of life as a follower of Jesus, which is, what is the gospel? What is the good news? So I'm not going to do any review of that today other than say, if you're new with us, that's what we've been going over for a few weeks. What is the gospel? And how do you grab hold of it, receive it, and walk in more and more of the good news that God has for us? So the last three messages have been on that. If you're new with us, you can get onto our Facebook page, We Are Elevation, Facebook slash We Are Elevation, or our website, weareelevation.com, where all the messages are archived and you can catch up via video or podcast. But today we're going to dig into another one of those absolute core values, tools that Jesus teaches, but we're actually going to hold off on the, the Jesus teaching himself and the way he modeled it in life until next Sunday, and we're going to go right to the book of Genesis because the same value that Jesus teaches is there in the created order, the very created order of life, the God-designed created order. There is a rhythm of life that once you see it, it is, it is freedom. It is beauty. It is power. It is permission it is an absolutely integral part of the abundant life that you just can't live without. And maybe that's because of our particular context of our culture. But this rhythm of life that we're gonna dig into today is the antidote to the burnout and pressure of performance and production that is all over us that leads to exhaustion. One of the Values in our culture from the very beginning has been produce, be creative, be innovative, produce, work hard, and that's awesome, that's beautiful, but if that's not checked by the Holy Spirit, it can lead to wild excess of workaholism and your identity based on your performance and your production, which then leads to exhaustion and burnout and and honestly, you might get rewarded in the economic sphere, but everything else in life is going to be suffering. Your emotional well-being, your spiritual well-being, your relational well-being. But we're tempted every single day, I believe, in our culture to move into an excessive obsession with production. Another way to think about it is check yourself. Is, is, is not busyness an acceptable sin in our culture. Like if you just tell people you're busy, oh, oh, okay, you're busy. I'm busy. I'm too busy for this. I'm too busy for that. Oh, okay, cool. I can't mess with the schedule. That's the, that's the sacred cow, the holy grail. Whatever Google schedule says I'm doing, nobody can touch that. Well, we got to be careful. I'm going to quote my friend uh, Chris Breeding. We talked about this, talking about this for years because this is a foundational tool that we never get over. 
especially because that, that pull is constantly there just to go, 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 work, 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 produce, 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 and never stop. Sleep when you're dead. Like, whoever invented that awful phrase? Because you're not, uh, anyways, uh, Chris Breeding, here we go, my man. If the devil can't tempt you with evil, he'll just try to make you busy. Too busy to be connected to God. It's a good phrase. Came out of the conversations about this tool, about this rhythm of life in creation. And it speaks so powerfully to our world because, I mean, you can feel it, right? There's, there is a pressure to do it all, all the time. And in fact, whatever you've done currently or up to date, it's, it's now it's what have you done for me lately? What's, what are you going to do more? What's the greater thing? When are you going to be more productive? Go, 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 never stop. And if you just look around at the world, and you probably don't have to look beyond your own self and family, but there are stories of burnout and crash all the time. Because when you just go, 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 and you're reaching that burnout phase, you get weak, you get vulnerable, the enemy can tempt you with stuff where you just give in and then the next thing you know you made decisions you didn't want to make because you were weak and tired and lonely and then you destroy things. You can crash and just... The stories are all around us. But what if that doesn't have to be the norm? I'm going to look ahead to Jesus a little bit just to point out the fact that Jesus never burned out yet he carried more than any of us. That's something to think about. And some people might say, oh, well, he, he was God. He, you know, it's not fair. No, not from the standpoint of the ministry that he did, the rhythms of life that he modeled, he was modeling those in his humanity. He was modeling what it looks like to live in healthy rhythms of abiding in God and resting in God and then producing good fruit. If he wasn't doing it from his humanity, then it would not be appropriate and fair for him to teach us to do it because we can't be God incarnate. So if he was doing it from the God incarnate power, he has no business teaching us this is how you're supposed to live. He was doing this. He was living this from his 100% humanity side and showing us that this is the kind of life God created you for. And so let's go into creation. That's really what we want to dig into today with this question. Is it possible to work hard, be productive, be creative, be fruitful without exhaustion and burnout and crash? And the answer we're going to see in the book of Genesis today and then in the life teaching and modeling of Jesus next week is a resounding yes. In fact, that's, that's to the very core of what we're created for. So let's open to the book of Genesis. This tool that we're working with today that is absolutely foundational, it's called the, the rhythm of life. You might want to call it, I like calling it the rhythm of abundant life. Or you could call it the rhythm of life in creation. Let's look at Genesis 1, 26 to 28. 
And there is something about the book of Genesis that we have to recognize as foundational created order that never stops. That when God said it was good, he meant it. When he said it was very good, he meant it. When he said humanity is created in my image, he meant it. Like none of those things changed from the fall. Like sometimes we as Christians can look upon even the whole Old Testament and be like, oh, well, you know, then we fell in sin and, and, and Jesus fixed it all. And so we just kind of can ignore, un, maybe unknowingly or maybe intentionally, depending on where you're coming from, just kind of ignore lots of the Old Testament. And that's to our own peril. The exact rhythm of life that Jesus models and teaches is this rhythm of life that we see in Genesis. God's good created order. The very first thing that God says about humanity is this, and it stands forever. Verse, chapter 1, verse 26, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. That has not changed. <laughs> that will never change. That is the, in some ways, the ultimate honor of humanity. Unlike any other created thing, nothing else was created like this where God says we are going to create humanity in our image, in our very likeness, with that capacity for relationship with God. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule. That's like God as well, by the way. Over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move, move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every, every living creature that moves on the ground. One simple but utterly essential, profound foundational, I mean, like, you don't get any more foundational than this right here. We are created by God in his image, like him, to work and be productive and fruitful, and that is not part of the curse. It is part of God's good creation and how we reflect his image and glory to the world. Even that word work itself, if you're like, work, how is that not the curse? Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and tend it, care for it. Work from the beginning is a God-designed good thing. Where it says, along with Genesis 2.15, you put that together with Genesis 1.26 to 28, and you see that this is God's created order that we, in our humanity, created in God's image and likeness, carry divine purpose to multiply out across the earth. Multiply God's image, spread his glory throughout the earth through how the words are ruling, working, creating, producing. Look at those words. Working, ruling, creating, producing, multiplying, all 
biblical words to describe the very first thing that humanity, about humanity, created in his likeness to be like him and spread that, multiply it throughout the whole earth through ruling, working, multiplying, producing. That's called divine purpose. And so when our culture values work and producing and being creative and innovated, innovative, that is a very healthy biblical idea, foundational in fact, about what it means to be created in God's image. So that's beautiful and wonderful. But, if we lose the rhythm that is also built in creation, where that work is supposed to come from, where that productivity is supposed to come from, where that creativity is supposed to come from, we disconnect from the power source and do it on our own strength, now we're in trouble. Because typically comes with our strength also comes for our glory and exhaustion, and burnout, and bad fruit are right around the corner. But thankfully, there is a rhythm built into creation, a rhythm of life, and here it is. In Genesis 1, 31 to 2, 2, right after God describes this beautiful divine purpose of being created in his image, which means working, producing, multiplying, creating, he goes on to say, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. There was evening, there was morning on the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Key word right there. On the seventh day, God rested. So important, crucial observations. Adam and Eve are created on the sixth day. And for the first time in all of creation, it's pronounced they are very good. They are clearly, humanity is clearly God's crowning achievement. The only Thing in creation to be described as made in God's image and likeness and given this divine purpose to go and multiply the earth, spread God's glory through being like him, ruling, producing, multiplying, creating. Then on the seventh day, God rested. It's the Hebrew word for Sabbath or Shabbat, which simply means rest. But immediately now we can reflect back and say, thankfully, because we know more of the story, why did God rest? Did he need it, or was it for us? Jesus answers that question powerfully in Mark 2, 27, where he says the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath is made for humanity, not man for the Sabbath. Meaning when God established the Sabbath, it's not simply so that you could you know, follow a rule and regulation. The Sabbath this, this early in creation, created order is a gift from God for us. So follow the chronology here. Adam and Eve created on the sixth day of creation. On the seventh day, it says God Sabbathed, God rested. So check this out. Chronologically, 
the first day of life for Adam and Eve before they had done any work was a day of Sabbath rest to be with God. Deep into the order of creation, before they had done any work, their first experience of life was a day that God said is a gift from me to you to just be with me. What's the message in its simplicity in this created order? Communing with God, being with God, is the starting point for human life. Work is not the starting point. Being productive is not the starting point. Communing with God is our home base, built deep into the created order. Just like you know, plants and, and, and animals, and they all have this beautiful created order where they just have to do what God's created them to do or, or else it doesn't work. If plants don't get water, they die. If they don't get sunlight, they die. In the same way, if humans don't start life, the only difference is we have a choice, they don't. Be, but deep into the created order, life starts on the day of Sabbath rest. Communion with God, being with God is our home base. It's the place we are meant to live from. And just on, just on a side note right now, just very honest, raw, personal, I feel like that truth right now, that simple truth of communing with God is meant to be the, our default home base. It's what we need more than anything else. It's where life begins. It's where life starts. And as, as I go through life and, and you know, grow up and, and get old and watch older and watch these different stages of life, it's, so, it's fascinating to me that so many of life's biggest questions and biggest problems and biggest challenges all have the, uh, the, the same exact answer. And, and I'm saying this from a very real and authentic place, not, not as a pastor, as, as my kids like to say, you know, it's like we're, we're doing something in the house and, you know, if discipline comes up or morality comes up or what right and wrong comes up, my kids love to bring up, oh, well, you're the pastor. And I'm like, ah, this has nothing to do with me being a pastor. I'm first and foremost just a child of God. I'm not telling you this because I'm a pastor. I happen to be so passionate about it that, yeah, maybe I should tell some other people. But first and foremost, it's just about being a child of God. And, and so honestly, as I, as I reflect on life and, and ask myself this honest question of what, what, if I can look back at my life and say, when I see my life fruitful, Good fruit, productive, creative, powerful. What, what's the secret to that? And then ask another question of, when, I, when I'm my best as, as a husband, and, and there in, in, in a Christ-like, sacrificial way, loving, devoted, just rock star, awesome husband, when that's happening, that one time it happened, Ask that question, 
Another question. When I'm an awesome dad, powerful, present, attentive, encouraging, I think about that and be real about that because that's an important question to me. It has nothing to do with being a pastor. It's because I'm a dad. <laughs> it matters. That question has the same answer as all the other three. And then you go on to the question about what makes me a powerful person if I can look back on my life and look at when I was going through and when I go through hard situations, if I can reflect back now and say, wow, good fruit was happening. Man, they, I, I was a powerful person in the face of that challenge or adversity or trial or circumstance that was difficult. As I reflect on these questions, because I want, I want to be that person, that, regardless of being a pastor, I want to be a person that when I go through hard things, which we all do, when we face challenges, I want to see good fruit come out of me. I don't, I don't want to be defeated by life's challenges. In fact, I want to be able to produce good fruit, powerful fruit, in the midst of life's challenges. I want that for me, because I'm a real person. <laughs> and as I reflect on these types of questions, they all have the exact same answer. When I've seen the best fruit in all of them, it's when I have put communing with God first in my life. That is the secret to life. Communing with God is where life is meant to begin. It does not matter how smart, talented, rich, successful, whatever you might be. There is a created order that cannot be denied. Life doesn't work outside of the created order, just like a flower will die without water. Human life begins at communing with God. Our life source for all good things, all good fruit, is demonstrated right here in creation where our first day of life is a gift from God where God says, just be with me. That's your home base. It's where I want you to start. This is created order itself. It's really hard not to skip ahead, but we had a talk before the message that I can't go to the verses of Jesus, and that's so hard for me. <laughs> We're doing it next week. <laughs> um, I have to, like, black out my mind about the verses of Jesus because they're absolutely my favorite. So what Casey said, communing with God is the starting point of life. I think it's absolutely phenomenal that create in creation, it's absolutely astounding that in creation, our first day of life was resting in God. Resting in God. That we're supposed to live life out of a place of resting and refreshment instead of out of a place of working and being burnt out 
to the point that we need, that we just need a break. We're supposed to live out of that place of refreshment, live out of that place of communion with the Holy Spirit where we are resting in God as a lifestyle, but also I think that that first week of creation is, signifies more than just the Sabbath. I think it metaphorically is also just, as Casey was sharing, living from that place of communion and rest on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Are we going to be able to get in the Holy Spirit? All right. I'm holding my tongue about something for next week. Um, I think the word fill up comes to mind. Fill up. You know, you think of your car and you fill it up. And you fill it, you know, you fill it up with gas and you, and you don't burn off all the fuel to where you're stuck. And then you're in need of an emergency, you know, trip to the gas station or some kind of stressful mayhem. But we're supposed to live out of a place to fill up. And, you know, you know John 7, and uh, uh, the verse about the filling up the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the overflow of the Holy Spirit. That's one of my absolute favorite verses because it's how Jesus calls us to live. And so we're supposed to live the starting point as a place of communion and resting with God. And we're supposed to live from a place, from a place of being filled up. Not from a place of filling up and then burning all of our fuel and burning out. So I, that, to me, is like a litmus test for life. If I'm feeling the opposite, then I need to talk to the Holy Spirit, talk to some good friends, mentors, get some fellowship, and really pray about what changes God wants me to make. And our culture doesn't help at all with that. You know, Romans 12 talks about do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So in any way that we are going along with the flow of things, the way that they are modeled for us in the world as the norm, that should actually be a signal for us that maybe we should ask the Holy Spirit if he has a different way for us. Yeah, and, and that's where the permission comes, the freedom comes in this rhythm of life when we see that it's built into the creative order, the created order. That's where strength comes for us to be able to say no to the pressures of the world. Say no to the pressures of you always need to say yes to everything. You always need to do more. You always need to be more productive. Go, 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 sleep when you're dead. No, you're just going to be unproductive and unfruitful the whole way and then be dead. <laughs> yeah. So let's look at this rhythm in a picture. If you got your lift notes there, you can turn over to the back page. And this is one of the tools that we use in our discipleship groups, in our discipleship process. 
We call, it's called the semicircle. Again, our mentor, Mike Breen, created this picture out of Genesis 1, and what we'll see next week is John 15 and the life of Jesus. It's just meant to be a helpful remembrance tool if you're a visual person like he is because he has dyslexia. So again, I have, feel like I have to say it every week. We're not an occult that's like trying to like make all these shapes and signs and patterns and like, ooh, it's the yeah. Bible yeah. in a it's, picture. It's not if you don't go to, if you don't know the shapes, you're not going to heaven. It's just a helpful tool. <laughs> the shape's not in the Bible. The actual shape is not in the Bible. <laughs> but it is. So here's, the, here's this semicircle on the left-hand side, and, and just it's helpful. Because we are that pendulum in life. And in the sense of we're probably on one end of the spectrum and our culture pushes us far to be that pendulum that swings into produce, work all the time. Produce and work, produce and work, produce and work. And so we're, we're told to kind of redline, if you will, over there all the time without a power source. That's the problem other than your own strength and your own creativity and for your own glory and your own pocketbook and these various reasons that are just supposed to kind of give you the power source where the Bible says, no, there's something very different. In the created order, we actually start over with Sabbath rest. And so this, imagine this semicircle has motion to it. And that's why the little pendulum has arrows going both directions, because the idea is there is a pendulum that swings. We are supposed to start life with communion with God. From that place of communing with God, the pendulum swings out into the week where we produce fruit, where we create, where we multiply, where we work. And we're not supposed to then just stay there and try to do it forever on our own strength because that's when burnout and exhaustion happens. And we're no longer producing Holy Spirit fruit and power. We're producing stinky fruit from our own strength. And God says, wait, I have a solution in the created order. I built it into the rhythm of life weekly for you. It's a gift for you. Swing back on that pendulum and have an entire day or an entire day every week where you don't work at all. Your only job, the only goal I have for you, a divine goal, is be with me in restful refreshing. And that's some freedom, man. That is some, that is some incredible permission that trumps even your Google calendar. The very word of God says, don't produce today. Don't work today. Just be with me. The Sabbath verse that this is explained in 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 Exodus 20 verses 8 to 11 where it's expanded on a little bit. What is God's heart for the Sabbath day of rest that was instilled in the created order? It's in several places, but this is one of them. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, so this is, this is so key. This rhythm of life is not in any way denigrating work. In fact, it's recognizing that most of life is lived in that space of working and producing. 
and creating and innovating, and that's good. It's part of your divine design purpose. But not to do it on your own strength without it being from that place of communing. And that's what we see. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. It's that simple. Whatever is work to you, don't do it, says God. (laughs) All those deadlines, forget about them. All those performance anxieties, drop them. All the pressure that you have to do this and do this and do this, get rid of them and let God be the God of your life. And that's where this gets challenging. Woo-wee! We've been living this for 15 years and it's still challenging of like, does God reign in our week? Well, I just got to do this. I just got to get that done. I just got to answer that. I just God's like, where does your kingdom productivity come from? Where does your fruitfulness come from? Where does your creativity come from? Who is actually providing for you? You got that? Those are real questions. Who is the Lord of your life? Built into creation is a gift, but it's a challenge. Because it's a weekly reminder of who's actually in charge of my life. Do I trust God enough to be the provider? Is my identity secure enough in God being God's child that I'm not driven to just work and produce because I need it for my identity's sake? So this gets real. But it's a gift. It's a rhythm. It's not saying you're not going to produce. That's this whole where I do love the shape. I love the picture. It's a pendulum. Life starts with communion with God. That's the Sabbath rest. And the the, the people of God, the Jewish people, have these beautiful pictures in God's word about how they expanded on what that Sabbath looks like. And it's, it's, it's a time where it's just, okay, put away the work, put away the pressure, put away the performance, gather the family together. Have a meal together. Have, have that Sabbath meal. Have that Passover meal. Where you gather the kids around, you gather the extended family, you gather your spiritual family. You don't work. You just enjoy a big meal together. You let the kids run around and be crazy. You have recreational activities. You spend time hearing from each other thoughts of gratitude, maybe reading some scriptures, maybe singing some songs of praise, which, by the way, that's what Christians said church was supposed to be about. Gather on the Sabbath in a big extended spiritual family. Feast together of worship and praise and gratitude. So good job. (laughs) There's no better way to start the Sabbath than in community, worshiping God, putting our eyes on God, in thanks and praise and gratitude and being hopefully filled up by his presence as we hear him, as we hear his good news and are refreshed to commune with him, to be with him, to be encouraged about who he is and promises for our life. So amen, good work. (laughs) That's the idea, or it's not work. Good communing. 
See, it's even in our language. Good being with God. And it's meant to be this day of just beautiful rest and refreshment. And, and the, the people of Israel have these beautiful examples. That's where all the parties, all the festivals, all the celebrations and the people of Israel, it's all surrounded around this idea right here of life begins in restful communal, communing with God. Celebrate. Remember who he is. Thank him for who he is. Get filled up through gratitude and remembering and praising in scriptures and songs and praise and meals together. So there's freedom in it. It's not a prescribed, it has to look like this. It's how do you get filled up? How do you commune with God best? So that you can go out into the week, and that's that pendulum, so that you can go out into the week filled up and produce and have the strength and energy to do those good things that God has called you to do. And then you get the privilege of swinging back again on the pendulum and saying, you know what? In my humanity, I'm limited in my capacity. I can't just go produce forever. Bad stuff starts to happen. I get cranky. That's what people tell me. The fruit gets stinky. I get less creative, less productive, doing it on my own strength. I'm grumpy about it. I'm not feeling great vision. I'm kind of bitter about the whole situation and where I got to produce and do stuff. That's a great indicator. Let that pendulum swing back to abiding. And as we're going to get on to next week, it's, it's not just a weekly thing. This is a way of life mindset that can happen in the middle of the day. And it needs to happen in the middle of the day. Otherwise, we will be at that place of burnout every single day. You know, making those sanctuaries, that sacred space throughout the day where we live out these rhythms. Because what, what, Jesus, what we're going to see next week, what Jesus models, what creation models, um, this, this life shape, which is 100%, you know, based on the teachings of Jesus and the scriptures and the Old Testament as well, it's about a healthy rhythm. So, you know, to bring a cultural word that has become very commonplace, being present, it's very biblical. We're abiding in him. We're with him. We are living from a place of trust. And I will often find, you know, even when I'm sitting with my family in that sacred place that's supposed to be a place of fellowship as we're eating together, as we have our time together at night, my mind can run off to different things or, oh, I have to take care of this. Oh, I have to take care of that. And I feel like one of the most important things that this, this rhythm models for us is making those sacred spaces where we live out the things that Jesus speaks to us about and models for us in the New Testament. And we also see them in the old, in this creation, um, in, in the Sabbath, in the creation, in this, you know, in the Sabbath, that's what I meant. <laughs> Maybe I hit my head when I tripped. That was awesome though, right? <laughs> I just, I still think that's so funny. Um, uh, it's, it's a day to remember. Um, I just love the day-by-day -day rhythms 
that Christ wants us to walk in. If day by day we're carrying a heavy burnout, a heavy feeling of burnout, like our gas is being used up and we just got to the end of the day and then we aren't having those sacred spaces. We aren't being rooted in him. And really, what it comes down to is worship. It's worship. You know, I ran into this uh, this past week. We had the privilege of staying at uh, my oldest son's old landlord's house to go visit him in Catalina. So it was such a blessing because hotels in Catalina are not cheap and, you know, not within price, the price range that we have going on right now. And it was such a blessing to see him. And I had this stressful uh, situation that I needed to take care of with a company. And I'm always checking in with the Holy Spirit. And I felt like he just said, I don't want you doing that today. I want you to trust me. I want you to enjoy your son. That always puts you in a bad mood. You have to kind of, I, I generally, when I talk to it, not visiting my son, when I, when I talk to when I have to go to battle with a company that's doing something that's not right or I have to fight for something, you know, they charge you for something that's not legitimate or, you know, whatever it is, it always kind of puts me in a funk where it takes me a few hours to get out of and I'm like, like I just waited an hour, you know, and I'm trying to commune with the Holy Spirit, but it's not working very well. Um, but I just felt like the Lord, you know, this is a regular thing for me where we're rooted in him We're communing with him, and day by day life, not just that one day a week, comes from a place of trust in him that when he's showing you the healthy rhythms he wants you to live in, in this particular season, and the rhythms change depending on the season, but when he shows you the rhythms that he wants you to have in this particular season, that we can worship and trust that he will take care of the things that we feel like we are so drawn to and need to take care of as we live in obedience to live out what he's, how he's called us to live. It really comes down to a place of worship. And one last thing. And that really boils down to, as, that boils down to the Romans 12 verse as well. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. There's so many, there are different mindsets that are way on an extreme. I feel like there's an older generation that has fantastic work ethic and works, 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 works. And, you know, and and it can be younger generation as well. It's just a cultural mindset and sacrifices the family to where we're not honoring our very first ministry and most important ministry that God has called us to. And then we have the other side of the pendulum that I've noticed in younger kids, you know, where it's, oh, hey, could you help me with this? Yeah, I'm just not feeling like it today. I just really need some more me time. Wasn't me time the last four days? I'm just saying, you, that's a part of our culture. That Both of those extremes are a part of our culture. And it's all about plugging into Jesus so that our compass is facing true north. And we can't judge others with the way that we spend our time and the way that we do things because every person's life is different and God has called everybody to a different mission and a different season than we are personally on. So that's just something to keep in mind. 
And we'll even see that as we are, you know, listening to the Holy Spirit with regard to how we're supposed to be spending our time. We're always on, there's always a new season. There's always something new that he's doing. There's always, you know, there's oftentimes a shift in how we're spending our time and where we're spending our time and the amount of time that we're spending in certain places. There are seasons that we just, we have to work more because of, you know, extenuating circumstances. And there are seasons when God calls us to pull back. And to know the seasons, we need to be plugged into him and plugged into fellowship so that we can be living a life that's filled with fruit instead of one that doesn't have enough nourishment in the soil, doesn't have enough water, or has too much water and is drowning. That's a thing also. The productivity and the work is super important just as the rest is super important. All right, so as mentioned, the best is yet to come. We're going to look into deep into the life of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the, the rhythms of Jesus, but felt like it was so crucial to see how this is established in creation, and then next week we'll be looking at the life of Jesus along the same tool, but man, there's, there's just something, nothing better than Jesus himself, so that's where we're headed. Let's, let's pray on this, and we'll put a pause in it for now. Dance like David.